0: All right, what a wonderful song. That's why we come to church, worship our Savior, to bless His name. And there's no greater name, and there's no other name uh, that we get saved by. As Mike preached on this morning out of the book of Acts, um, Mike talked about how there's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ, our Savior, the Son of God. And so it was a great service this morning. We got to honor teachers and just um, think about Jesus, the greatest teacher of all. And uh, we just praise God for that, but we, do, we are thankful for all the people that teach both in public school and private school and here at Calvary Christian, and we're just so thankful for their dedication, their hard work, and we just appreciate it so much. Well, tonight we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3, and uh, Mike talked this morning about Christ being the only way to heaven, and talked about the power of Christ. Uh, he talked about that also out of the book of Acts and how we can have that same power, and uh, Mike talked about how our God is the same God uh, that gave them the power back then that we read about in the scripture. And thankful, thankful that our God can still do miracles and give us the power today. So, after we're saved, of course, tonight we're just going to look at a new way of life, a uh, new way of life out of uh, Colossians chapter 3. And, and one of the first things it's going to teach us is to seek the things above or the things of God. And uh, hopefully you have your Bibles out and you're open to Colossians chapter 3. Uh, let me just pray and then we'll get into the verses here to, tonight. Heavenly Father, we praise you. We thank you for your, uh, the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, and through, through we can have salvation and power through him. And Lord, you want us to have a powerful Christian life. And Lord, we can if we'll turn to you in all things and, and seek those things that are important to you. And Lord, salvation's a free gift, we know that, to everyone that believes. And Lord, we just pray as we study in the Word tonight, Lord, that you would just help us to uh, get what you'd have us out of this passage. And Lord, help me when I speak, to speak clearly. And Lord, help me to um, just present the material well. But Lord, I know that your Word will go out with power, it always does. And Lord, we're thankful for that. We praise you and we thank you for your plan of salvation And for this, uh, uh, your word, which we have in our Bible. And we praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so our first point tonight, seek those things which are above. Let's look at uh, Colossians chapter three, uh, starting in verse one here. It says these things. It says, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on the things of the earth. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Verse 4 says, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. And, you know, as we look to those things above, it's, again, one of those things that's easier said than done to look up at all things. But we do get wrapped up in the, in the things of this life. Um, but we got to realize, anything that happens in our life here on earth is just temporary. It's a temporal place for us to be. Once we're saved and we know Jesus Christ is our Savior, our eternal home is heaven with God. And so as we uh, give our life to Him and we, we trust Him for salvation, then we start growing in our walk with Him. And then regardless of how long that we're saved, we, we have to remind ourselves and the Scripture remind us that we have to look above. In verse 1 of Colossians chapter 3, it said... If ye then be risen with Christ, that means in order to be risen with Christ, you have to know him personally as your Lord and Savior. Important to note that Christ died for the whole world. In John 3.16, we looked at that verse this morning. Mike looked at several verses out of John 3.16 and 17. But in John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. So, again, he loved the world, but not everyone will take the salvation gift that's been given to them. Christ, we needed a perfect Savior. Jesus Christ was that Savior, and and he died for our sins. But it says, if you then be risen with Christ, then it tells us, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. In other words, seek godly things. Seek heavenly things. Look to what God says is important forever. You might remember when Jesus encountered the woman at the well. She was looking for physical water to drink. But what did Christ tell her? He told her, I'll give you water that you'll never thirst again. And of course, he wasn't talking about physical water. He was talking about spiritual. And he was talking about that he is the water of life. And so as we seek those things which are above, the things that are important to Christ, he says in uh, number two, not He does he tell us to seek those things, uh, but in verse number two, it says, set your affection on those things. In other words, your affection is your love. It's, what you, it, it's what's important to you. We show affection to the ones we love, to our wives, to our spouses, to our children, uh, to our grandchildren, to, to close friends, uh, to brothers and sisters in Christ. We, sh- we share affection. And it says here, set your affection on the things above, not the things on this earth. Hey, we all need a car to drive. We all need a house to live in. We all need clothes. We need food. But God says, don't set your affection on those things. Set them on the spiritual things of God and look why. It tells us why in verse 3. For you are dead. What does that mean? We're, we're dead to our old self. See, we're alive forevermore and through Christ, but we're dead. We're, mort- we're to mortify our flesh. So we're dead to those things. It says you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. What does that mean? We're no longer ours. We're God's. Christ saved us and the Holy Spirit seals us and we're in him. And so it says we're dead to self. Verse four says, when Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. But notice that little phrase there. When Christ who is our life, he is our eternal life. We get, the only way we can have eternal life, as Mike very clearly preached this morning, we don't get it through baptism. We don't get it through a church, any church at all, any specific church. We don't get it through doing works. We get it specifically through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And by putting our faith and trust in him for what he did for us at the cross of Calvary. So it says here, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. See, we cannot ever go to heaven or stand before a holy God without the blood of Christ being applied to our lives, and especially for our sin. See, we'll never be good enough to get into heaven just on our own merit. We needed a Savior, and God loved us so much that he provided that Savior in his Son. So, in this first little deal about seeking things that are above, again, he says, if you're a believer, if you're risen with Christ, you seek those things which are above, and he says, set your affection on those things. Don't just don't just seek them, but put your affection and love towards the things of God. That's where the um, where the where God wants us to be. He wants us to put our affection on things above, not on the things of this earth. In other words, if you if you're just holding on to something in this life, whatever it is, if it's a house, it's going to decay. If it's a car, it's eventually not going to run anymore. You know, whatever it is that we put our, uh, put, put our trust and faith in, it's going it's to go away. That's why the Bible tells us to lay up our treasure in heaven where moth or rust or all those things won't corrupt it. See, the, the things on this earth, it, something's corrupting it from the day you purchase it and take it out of the package to use it, or, or, or if it's a car, drive it off the lot, or move into a brand new house. From that moment, it's decaying. Why? It's being used. And God says here, don't put your things on the things of the earth, put them on me. And he says, you're dead, and your life is hidden in Christ with God. So in other words, we live through Christ now. It's not our life anymore. It's his will and that. So let's take a look at some specifics. In point number two here, Christ is going to tell us what to put off. In other words, he says, as a Christian, get rid of these things, and then later we're going to look at things that we need to put on as a Christian uh, that God would want us to do. And verse 5, it's very, it's very um, uh, uh, a good placement here because it's, it starts with the word mortify, which means to put to death. And remember, verse 3 told us we're dead. We're dead. What does that mean? Mortify there your members which are upon the earth. In verse five it says, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil contumescence, covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God come on the children of disobedience. So as you look at those, if you look at that, he says, hey, get rid of all that stuff, the wrong stuff. In the in verse five it mentions quite a list here. Um, it mentions. Um, the, the the fornication or to uh, really which just means the flesh and what you're fighting against uncleanness the wrong kind of affection remember what christ told us to do put our affection on the things above uh evil concupiscence which is hard to say <laughs> but the basic word for the for that word is desire it says put away those earthly desires and then your covetousness we all know what it means to covet to desire something else that's See, there's someone else or something else that belongs to somebody else, and then it says it's idolatry when we put those things ahead of God. And so, verse five gives us a very clear list of some things. And he says in verse six again, for which things sake the wrath of God come on the children of disobedience. Let's just face it: Why do we die physically because of our sin? We die physically because of our sin, and uh, you know we look way back to the first sin of Adam and Eve in the garden. Uh, where they ate of the tree they weren't supposed to, and then they tried to cover it up. But it says the the, the wrath of God comes on us when we di- when we disobey. And in verse seven it says, "In the which you also walked some time when you lived in them." But now it says you also put off all these things. And we're kind of kind of look at each one here. It says you put off all these things. He says you used to walk this way before you knew Christ as your Savior. You used to walk this way, but it says to put off these things. Anger and wrath and malice, those three kind of go together. Uh, anger, uh, obvious, don't have to explain that to you. Wrath, meaning just wanting to get vengeance, wanting to get revenge. And then malice, just, having a, 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 just just, wanting to get back at somebody. So he says, get rid of those three, anger, wrath, and malice. Then he says, blasphemy. Uh, we all know that's denying who God is and who Christ is and those things. Filthy communication out of our mouth. What we used to talk about, we don't talk about that anymore. Things in the flesh, we don't talk about that. It says, put off that filthy communication out of your mouth. Then he keeps on going on in verse 9. He says, lie not one to another. In other words, stop telling lies. Tell the truth. Seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Who's the old man? The old man is the person you were without Christ. The flesh that you were in before Christ. Um, he says... Get that out of the way. And then it says in verse 10, "And have put out or put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Uh, this morning when Mike spoke, he talked about how that the Jewish religious leaders and, and Pharisees and stuff, they were amazed when Peter and John spoke because they were unlearned and ignorant men, but they had the power of Christ, on their life. See, what Christ does is renew our knowledge. He gives us a new way of thinking, a new perspective, and that it's all about Him and it's about heavenly things. See, the world would have you think everything on this earth is the most important. God says, no, the eternal things are what, you, what is important. And really, when you look at this list of things uh, that He's telling us to put off, those are really internal problems. When you have anger, when you have wrath, when you have all those kind of things, Those are internal problems that come out because of what you've been dwelling on, what you've been thinking about, uh, what you've been reading, what you've been seeing on television, what you've been watching. Everything comes out. And God says, watch what we do. He tells us the whole list of things to put off. Tells us to stop lying. Put away the old man. And then he says in verse 10, he uh, he tells us, that to put on the new man, which is a renewal in knowledge. Whose knowledge? God's knowledge. So a renewal in knowledge um, that he tells us about, and he says, after the image of him that created you, or created him. Who created us? Well, God Almighty did, and God the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit. So it says, we're going to put on a new man, which is renewed in knowledge, and again, it's after his image. Do you remember what God said in Genesis? He says that we're made in his image. See, see, he says, we're made in his image, he's created us. So he says, when you put on the new man, when you get saved, when you get born again, you're, re- you're renewed in knowledge. How do we get renewed in knowledge? Through this book. This is God's word. So God gives us a new set of knowledge, a new standard to, to, to listen to. And he, and he says here, put off the old man, put on the new man, renew in knowledge. And, and you might remember the scripture that says, the renewing of our mind, the transformation that takes place. And it says here, we're renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. And again, he says in verse 11, he goes on to say, where there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Uh, when you think about, especially in the biblical times when Christ, before Christ was there, it was all about, for the Jewish person, being physically circumcised. And to them, somebody that was uncircumcised did not follow the God of the Jewish people. But you realize that the circumcision was just an outward showing that they were a follower of Jehovah God? See, for us, it might be baptism. All baptism is, it doesn't save us. It's an outward showing that we're a follower of God. But he says here, with God, there's no Greek nor Jew. In other words, all people, God is no respecter of persons, All people are important to God regardless of where they came from. And then he says, it doesn't matter if you're bond or free, but he says Christ is all and in all. See, Christ is the only way to heaven, as Mike preached this morning. It's our only way there. And God tells us certain things to put off. You know, Mike talked a little bit this morning about about, um, gas. And when you think about that, when you think about... um, running out of gas in your car. But see, there's things we have to put into our car, like the gasoline, for example. But God here says, I know what's best for you. I created you. See, whoever made that car put an owner's manual in there. In that owner's manual, it tells you, when do I change the oil? How much pressure should be in my tires, air pressure? It it tells me um, everything I need to know about my car. It, t- it tells me what to do tells me when to take it in to be serviced, when to rotate the tires. But see, the person that manufactured that car, the company, and then down to the specific designer that designed it, they know what's best for that piece of machinery. Well, God created you, and he created me, and he knows what's best for our machine, for our body, and what's best for our mind. And he says, hey, these are bad things. If you, if you have these things in you, remember the list? He put in their anger. He put it, you know, at the beginning, he talked about getting rid of fornication, uncleanness, all that stuff. And then he said in verse 8 to put away anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Get rid of lying in verse 9. Put off the old man with his deeds. Why? That's harmful to you, and your Creator says that it's harmful to you. Don't you think that God knows what's better for us than us? See, we got people that try to eat healthy and exercise, and those things are good for your body. But in the long run, God says that exercise, it, it, it doesn't profit. It's not profitable to your spiritual well-being. It's profitable, profitable to your physical well-being, but it's not profitable to your spiritual well-being. So God says if you'll get these things out of your life, that's your goal. And, and you all know as, as well as I do, it's not a one-time decision where you just said, hey, that's it, I'm making a decision never to lie again. Now that's a great thing to do, and it's a great decision to make, But you've got to guard yourself so that you don't lie again. Most of us didn't just lie once. Most of us have lied many times in our life. And when we got saved, it wasn't like instantly we no longer were liars. We had to purpose in our heart, just like it says in Daniel, that he purposed in his heart to not do that anymore, not to lie. And so God says it'll be best for you if you get all of that out of of your life. I think about the truth. We've been studying the book of Acts in the morning. And I think about the truth of just Peter telling it like it is. He says it's more important for them to honor God than to honor man. He says that we these things we have heard, we have to speak them. See, Peter knew it was more important, and so did John, so did all the disciples. They knew it was more important to follow God rather than man. And God says, put that stuff out of the way. Put off that old man, and then you'll be you'll have a better Christian life. And again, we're not putting things, these things off so we'll have salvation. If I never lie again, that's not going to get me into heaven. If I never get angry again, that's not going to get me into heaven. If I never um, say a filthy thing again, that's not going to get me to heaven. But it's things that God says, if you'll do them after you're saved, it will help your life to go better and it'll be a better representation of him and who he is. Uh, What does most of the world think about Christians? Well, it thinks sometimes that we're a hypocrite. Why? Because we say one thing and sometimes we do another. But God says, hey, you need to work at putting these things out of your life. And again, it's not for salvation. It's not for special favor with God. It's just that our creator knows what is best for us. And he says, if you'll get these things out, it'll be better. Well, you think about a car. We talked about a car a little bit. Um, you think about a car, if you can protect it by parking it in a garage or under an awning, you know that the paint job is going to last longer. If you get your oil changed every so many miles, you know that the inside of your engine will be better. You know that if you uh, change the tires and rotate them, they'll wear evenly. And all those things you could do for a car, God says, that'll make it last longer, God says, hey, if you'll get these things out, you'll be a more effective Christian. Your life will go better, you, you know, when you do these things, and you'll be a better Um, uh, Mike mentioned the word ambassador this morning, you'll be a better ambassador for Christ. Again, it doesn't make you a better person. It doesn't earn your favor with God. It doesn't earn you heaven, but it will help you have a better quality, joyous life. Let's go on to the third and final point. We've looked at one that we're supposed to seek those things that are above two. We're supposed to put off certain things. And then third, let's put on these things. God says, not only do you need to get stuff out of your life, but this is what you should dwell on. This is what you should uh, put on. So starting in verse 12 there, it says, put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbling of, uh, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long suffering." Let's start there just in verse 12. He says, as the elect of God, what does that mean? That means you're saved, you're born again, you're on your way to heaven. And he says, put on these things. You know what that means? If you have to put them on, it's going to take work on your part. Any good thing in life takes work. And God says, if you're going to put these things on, it's good for you, but you're going to have to do it. You're going to have to purpose it. He says, put on, therefore, as the elect of God. And he says, you're holy and beloved. Why are we holy and beloved? Because of God, because of Christ. Because Christ has reconciled us to God through his blood on the cross. And he says to put on bowels of mercies toward other people. I don't know about you, but one of the greatest joys of the, victor, uh, of the victory in the Christian walk is that we have salvation first and foremost, but we have God's grace and mercy. You know, have you ever, ever thought to yourself about another person? Why doesn't God give them what they deserve? But you know, the truth is, we never say that about ourselves. We, we never say, why doesn't God just give me what I deserve? Well, the truth would be, it would be death and an eternity spent away from him in hell. But God, in his loving kindness, died for all mankind, Jesus Christ, on the cross, in the flesh. And so that we could have a home in heaven and we could be reconciled to God. So we're, we're holy and beloved through him. So God says, I've given you mercy. You should have bowels of mercy. When you say that, it's talking about a plentious uh, Just, you know, doing it, not just once, but over and over again, having mercy on people. And then kindness. We can never be kind enough to people. We know we need to be kind to people. We know we should treat people how we want to be treated. But yet sometimes for the Christian, being kind so far, it's not even a part of our everyday life. We need to be kind. And then humbleness of mind. Don't forget our Savior. He humbled himself in the form of a servant. He washed the disciples' feet. He was beaten and bruised for us. He went to death on the cross. And you know what? He was teaching the disciples and teaching us how to live towards others. Uh, washing the feet was one way. But you think about it. He wants us to be kind, and not just to Christians, but to all. And then he's, and to be humble. Not to think highly, more highly of ourselves than we are. We know that a prideful spirit can be very damaging. See, we're just a child of the king. And anything that we're allowed to do in the church that God allows us to be a part of, the only reason it's possible is through him. And so um, we have to be humble. And then meekness. I know you've heard this said probably many times. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness means that you do it out of humbleness of mind and uh, through a Christ-like heart. Long-suffering, exactly what it says, suffer long at times. Sometimes we have to for different reasons. And sometimes it's with a person. And sometimes people had to be long-suffering with us. We just have to be able to to, to be able to do that. Then in the next verse, in verse 13, it says, Forbearing one another, forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Don't we as people, don't we have trouble sometimes just being forgiving? just show forgiveness? Oh, sure, we'll say I forgive you. We'll say that, uh, we'll, we'll say I forgive you to someone, but in our heart, we don't really mean it. We're still holding on to what they did to us. But God says here, forgive one another. And if any man have a quarrel against us, even as Christ forgave us, we're to forgive them. See, aren't you glad your Savior forgave you for your sin? I am. I'm so glad Christ uh, forgave me for my sin. I'm so thankful for that. In fact, the Bible says, he'll push your sin as far as the east is from the west. See, you could travel east and never go west. You'd always be going east. That's why he used that, rather than north and south, because you can only go north to a point, and then eventually you start going south again. But when you say east from the west, it'll never meet. And God says that's what he does with our sin. And so it says here that we're supposed to forgive just like Christ forgave us. And see, the problem with us is we want to hang on to it. And you know what? If we're not careful and we hang on to stuff and we won't forgive someone... We know what develops. Bitterness. All those things that he told us to put off. Malice. Evil thinking. Those kind of things. That all will come up if we won't forgive someone. And he says, just forgive like I forgave. And then in verse 14, he hits it home and he says, above all things, put on charity. We know charity is the word for love. First Corinthians 13 talks about that love. He says, put on charity, which is the bond, of perfectness. See, put on his love, put on that charity. Um, complete, being complete as a Christian to be able to put on the love of Christ, to love the unlovable. See, you and I are, at times are unlovable, but God loves us no matter what. And we need to love other people. God tells us above everything to put on love, which is the bond for per- perfectness. And again, not our love. You know, this sermon tonight's not about the different kinds of love we talk about that agape love that God has. We talk about his love. His love is perfect. And, and that's the, you know, God's love is the love we want to strive for. And he says it's the bond of perfectness or completeness in your life. And then he says um, in verse 15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also you are called in one body. And he says to be thankful. See, he gives us a list of these long things to put on. It's not that long, but it's, it's you know just think about each one. It's not easy to put on bowels of mercy. It's not easy to be kind to everyone in every circumstance. It's not always easy to be humble. It's not always easy to be meek. It's not easy to be long-suffering. It's not easy to forbear one another, to forgive one another. But he says, Christ did it for us. And he told us above all things to put on charity, which is love, the bond of perfectness. And he says let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Do you kind of see that? If we'll, do, if we'll put off certain things that he gave us the list of earlier in verses five through 11, and then we'll put on the things that he's mentioning from verse 12 and forward, he says, then you'll be able to do this step 15. See, in verse 15, you wouldn't have been able to do it. You can't just put the, let the peace of God rule in your heart if you're hanging on to anger and malice and wrath and all those things. But God says, put on these things, put on what I was the perfect example of. He was the perfect example of bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving people. Christ did all of those things, and he definitely put on charity above everything else. And he says, I was your perfect example. If you'll do these things, God says, if you'll put off these things and you'll put on these things, he says, you'll be able to let, then in verse 15 where it says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body. And then he says, and be thankful. See, we can't, God couldn't go first to that verse and just say, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. He said, hey, get rid of these things that I don't like. And then he says, put on these things, which are the key. And again, he's not telling us to put off or put on for salvation. That's very clear in the scripture. He's telling us to do this so that we'll have a better Christian life. See, God wants us to have the best Christian life possible. You might have heard Pastor close, and he often says this in the the services, but he closed with this this morning. He says the best is yet to come in our Christian life. And that's true as long as we follow Christ and stay focused on him, spend time in the Word, spend time in prayer, and then constantly make a decision to put this stuff off. See, an alcoholic knows that, they're, they're, that each day you're taking it one day at a time and you're only sober for as long as you don't take that next drink. And same with somebody that's addicted to drugs and so on. They know that you're only sober as long as you don't do that next thing. And so God says, first of all, we're always saved. He tells us that. See, the Holy Spirit seals us till the day of redemption when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so the salvation part's taken care of. But he says, in our Christian walk, in order to have the peace of God, in order to let it rule in our hearts, see, it's one thing to say to have peace in God, but to let it rule in our life so that we have that God's perfect peace that he tells us about. He says, and then he tells us to be thankful. See, we, we, we have trouble being thankful when all that other stuff's in the way. When bitterness and wrath and all those things are in our way, we have trouble um, having God's peace, and we have trouble being thankful. And look what he goes on to say in verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So see what it says there? Let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. That means his word, what he's told us to do. And then he says, not only are we supposed to have it, but he says to teach and admonish one another. You remember that in... Um, in the Great Commission, in Matthew 28, we're to go and preach the gospel to every creature, but then it talks about teaching them in God's things. See, here in this verse, it tells us we're supposed to teach and admonish one another. And it says, what do we use to do that? Psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in our hearts to the Lord. You know, we have of course, we have the book of Psalms in here. But, you know, we teach one another through the word of God. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. That's why we come to church and hear preaching, but it's also why we spend one-on-one time with God and we do our devotions. We do our devotions so that we're spending time in the word of God and we're spending one-on-one time with God. And then he says we're supposed to teach and admonish one another in our psalms and things. Why? Um, I've done messages before on the fact that Christians are supposed to exhort one another. Exhort means to build up. We tell each other what God has done. We remind each other what God has done. Um, we remind in the scripture, we remind of the challenges and trials that, um, that God has got people through. You know, Mike mentioned Peter and John getting arrested there and being warned never to talk about Jesus again. But yet God got them through that. And Mike mentioned this morning how two months prior to that, when Christ was denying or uh, when, not Christ, I'm sorry, when Peter was denying that he even knew Christ or that he was a follower of Christ to the day of Pentecost when he preached boldly and he told those religious leaders that they're the reason Jesus went to the cross, why he died. He was put to death by them. And so his boldness changed. Why? The power of Christ came on. So when we remind each other and all these things about how great God is and what he's done through other people's lives, we build each other up. And he says we're to build each other up again in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in our hearts to the Lord. See, we could sing one of two ways. We come in here and we sing songs that sometimes we know and we sing songs that sometimes we don't know. But we can just go through the motions of saying the words and never think about what they're about. We'll never think about what, what, um, what God has done for us and how great he is. But when we sing about him, it brings into remembrance what he's done. And it says we have to sing from our hearts to the Lord. See, you ever heard of somebody say to tell you to have a song in your heart? What's that mean? That means that our heart's thinking about God and that it's thankful. Remember what God told us to do. Let the peace of God rule in our hearts, which you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. See, God told us to let that peace of God rule in there. And then he told us to speak and teach and admonish one another in those things. And then in verse 17, he wraps it up with this. He says this. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God and the Father by him. See, that wraps it all up. It says, whatever we do in our life, whether it's through what we say or deeds, which are our actions, it says, whatever we do that, if we're a Christian, he says, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So uh, they just wrap it up with that verse. He just says in verse 17, Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. See, if we're able to do anything in his name, we should give him the glory for it. I thought about, uh, you know, we, Mike mentioned him today, and then we talked about it last week about the healing of that lame man. The man was over 40 years old, and God had never walked from the time he was born. God healed him and allowed him to walk. And what did, he, what did it say in, in Acts chapter 3? It said that he was leaping and praising God. He knew he didn't get his physical strength back by, by, from himself. He knew that the disciples didn't do it for him because they told him it was the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that he should walk, rise up and walk. So see, whatever we do in word or deed, we do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, and then we give thanks to him for allowing us to have that. See, if we can put off all those things, the, the list that we have, were given... We were given to put off fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil, concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. And then in verse 8, he said, put off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of our mouth, lying. If we're able to do that, then we should give praise to God. And then God tells us to put on the new man. And he says to put on uh, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another, put on charity, which is love. If we can do that, we need to give thanks to God that he's able to do it. And by the way, when we do that in our life, people will see the miracle of salvation that that God performed on our heart, and they'll see that God, only God can change a person like that. And guess what? God will get the glory for that. Do you realize that lame man that was healed, that that didn't walk for the first 40 years of his life? Do you realize that his he, his healing was specifically to glorify God. Now he got the benefits of it. He got to walk from that moment on for the rest of his life. But his God was glorified. And not only was that man here healed physically, but he was healed spiritually. Um, he realized that it was God Almighty that healed him. And so as we look through this, and then uh, after, we're going to stop at verse 17, but the rest of the chapter talks about relationships and, and how we're to be. It talks about wives, husbands, children, uh, and so on. But verse 23 says this, Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. See, this verse that we just read in verse 17, it said, Whatsoever we do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. In other words, he gets the credit, he gets the glory for it, and so on. But it kind of sums it up again in verse 23. Whatsoever we do, do it heartily. It says, do it like we mean it, to the Lord and not unto men. Why? If we please God in our life, we'll please the other relationships. If I please God in my life, I'll be a good husband. If I please God in my life, I'll be a good father. If I please God in my life, I'll be a good grandfather. If I I please God, I'll be a good employee or an employer. Uh, If I please God, I'll be a good friend and neighbor. If I please God, I'll be good to strangers. See, the Bible says we're to love our enemies even. See, if we please God, all of our other relationships in life will be right. But the most important one that will be right is with, with God himself. See, any sin we do, it's against God first before it's against another person. And again, we could do his list of things here. We could even do this list of things it won't earn us a home in heaven. It's all through our personal relationship with Christ. But as we mature in the Lord, as we mature in our growth, just like when you matured as a from a baby to an to an infant, even you came off the bottle and you started eating finger foods, and then as you grew and learned to talk and to walk and to so on, and as you grew into adulthood, same things true of our Christian life. We start off walk, crawling like a baby or really crying like a baby and then working our way up in our spiritual life. And again, it's not working our way to salvation. It's working our way to the way God has preordained for us to come. In the book of Romans, it talks about us being preordained to walk a certain way. And, then, and it is a new life. Just like we say here, it's a new way of life. It's contrary to our flesh. Our flesh wants to live one way. But God says, no, this is what I have for you. And with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. We can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. Thank you for watching tonight. I'm going to close in a word of prayer here. Let me encourage you. Wednesdays, we're back uh, both in person and online on Wednesdays at 7 o'clock. So let me encourage you to be there for the midweek service. Uh, But and and then the following Sunday, we'll honor our moms at Mother's Day. Um, but Lord, we just praise the Lord for what he's done for us and what he continues to do in our lives. Any good thing that he chooses to do through us, he needs to get all the glory and praise. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful for your greatness. We're thankful that you're the great creator. We're thankful that you have a purpose for us becoming a Christian, and that's to live and to tell about you. And Lord, one of the ways that we tell about you is through what you've done in our life and what you've Uh, worked on in our life how we become a different person a new person with new priorities and our heavenly priorities things above not the things of this earth and Lord you help us to do that and Lord it is a constant struggle it's a constant battle but Lord help us to look to you and to set our affection on things that are above Lord I pray for any needs our congregation has I pray you'd be with them help them encourage them I pray especially for our pastor continue to heal his lungs and help him to grow stronger, uh, his lungs stronger especially. And Lord, we praise you for all you do for our church. And Lord, we thank you for our school. We thank you for, uh, as we honor teachers today, we pray for those that are working in the public school and the private school. And then Lord, again, I pray that you'd work in the lives of each one of us, Lord, and help us to be a good testimony for you. We praise you now and give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, good night and God bless you.